welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. In today's episode of the Human Technology Podcast, I will talk about the trends of the automotive industry. I'm doing this every now and then, and I mean, really new trends are rather rare in the industry, as, as mature and as slow as the automotive industry. But there are constant shifts, uh, re-evaluations, new perspectives, things come up, uh, maybe minor things, maybe major things. But there is a constant change in there that um, requires a re-evaluation of uh, what uh, is going on in this industry. And I will discuss two groups of trends. One group of trends is directly affecting the vehicle. It is on the vehicle, on the artifact that we have on the cars. And this is what uh, today's episode will be about. The next episode in two weeks will focus more on processes, on businesses, business models, on the industry as a whole, and new corporations, uh, things that will happen there. And yeah, so, so that, that will be shifted then to, to, to the next episode. Uh, so we can focus on the vehicle trends um, that uh, we have, the, the trends that circle around the car itself. Those of you who follow me a little longer know that um, I like the so-called case mantra. I mean, case is the official name. Mantra is uh, how I call it. Case is an acronym. Um, it stands for connected, automated, shared, and electric. It basically is still valid. It is still active. But there have been significant shifts in the mantra. The priorities have changed over the past uh, months and, and years. So it is uh, worth still keeping it, but uh, re-evaluating it and, and giving it um, a new focus or focusing on different things within this case mantra. I came across case for the first time, must have been 2016, It was introduced by Mercedes, or is it Daimler? I don't know. Um, they're renaming their companies. At, I mean, let, let's call it Mercedes. So it's the brand that we all know. And um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, from Mercedes. BMW calls it Asus. 
which is the same letters in a different order. So we are having um, A-C-E-S instead of C-A-S-E. But exactly, <coughs> excuse me, but exactly the same same thing. Price Waterhouse Coopers, uh, the consultancy firm called is EC, um, which is E-A-S-C, the same letters, different order. And they added in the year they introduced it, which was around 2015, 2016, a Y at the end. And uh, the Y stands for yearly updated. And I think we could add another C here, which means constantly updated. But um, that was in 2015-16, the idea that you have yearly updates on your car. Which basically shows one of the changes that we have in the, in the, in the entire trends that we see in the automotive industry. They are picking up speed there. All right, let, let's run through the single letters. So the first one is the C for, for connected. The car as the beautiful island of separation of silence was over in the moment the first mobile phones were connected to the head units, to the vehicle using Bluetooth. That was in the uh, mid, uh, early mid uh, zeros uh, of, of uh, the third millennium, roughly 20 years ago, when uh, we had this first Bluetooth uh, connections. And at that time, it was a huge effort to make these connections. Um, but hands-free calling was, was possible. And I, I remember the times when I was at Harman at that time and uh, the, the biggest amount, the largest amount of change requests from one software version to the next was adapting um, the Bluetooth connectivity to new smartphones. So we received long, long lists of smartphones that uh, should have been connectable to the head unit in the next software version. Because Bluetooth is not a real standard, it's more just like a semi-standard and there are different dialects out there. And, and I mean, it's not 100% smooth, but that changed over the years. Uh, so even with uh, brand new smartphones, uh, you can connect to most of the head units. The next level then was the e-call level, particularly in the, in the European Union. Um, the car becomes today more and more a not in the Internet of Things. Cars, today's cars produce data, they process data, they distribute data. And, I mean, this is where the connectivity comes in, right? Sending the data out to external instances. And they use the data uh, in, in the return way. So the data is sent into cars. That is the status we have today. And today it is possible on almost every new car to connect your smartphone to, to the head unit. I'm, I'm using quite a large number of different rental cars. Uh, when, when I travel to, to Mallorca, to my home, second home in Spain, I always pick up a rental car at the airport and, and drive with that during the time. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm on the island. And um, I'm always taking comparably small cars. I mean, roads in, in Mallorca are narrow. Uh, in Puerto Andrach, where, where I live, um, we have very, very small uh, streets and uh, very limited parking space. 
so I prefer small cars there and with all of them it is possible to connect my smartphone to the head unit to stream music to make calls and in some of them um, there is already Android Auto and or Apple CarPlay that allow the use of even more functions from from the vehicle head unit so I mean uh, not not every app that you have on your smartphone is accessible in the car but the number is far higher than just music and and calls that which is the bluetooth standard that we have next steps in connectivity are what is called advanced services whatever that means um, there are a couple of services in in the pipeline from what i see some of them make sense some of them are at least doubtful so i, I don't really know whether Everything makes sense that is in the pipeline of the developers. But um, the time will tell. The future will teach us whether this works or not. One feature that in every project that I'm working on is discussed is OTA, over-the-air updates, meaning new functions can be purchased or activated. When I have a car, so today I buy a car and it is the way it is. And when I want to have an update, I need to go back to the dealership, to the workshop, and then they play some software on it. So the, the thinking is that either certain features are pre-installed and I can activate them uh, after paying a certain fee or they are downloaded. And the same is with any kind of software update um, that, that comes uh, over the air. And um, that will allow me to, when I have my car parked, update certain certain electronic boxes in the car software. So we have different levels of updates, safety relevant updates, non-safety relevant. So, but, but all this is coming and this is a future application, a big future area for connected cars. The manufacturer, the, the OEM, has a permanent access to the vehicle, which allows, for example, predictive maintenance. So the cars tell, car tells me, hey, um, your brake pads will be gone in three weeks from now. Shall we arrange a, an appointment with your dealership so that you can return the car and get it done before we get more damage on your car because you don't change your brake pads on time? There is a lot of potential savings, uh, for example, on warranty claims or recalls of cars that goes up to billions per year, according to, to some, some uh, consultancy companies or the papers I, I read from them, so that the car companies can call the cars back into the dealerships before serious damage comes up and before they have to take warranty and that will save a lot of a lot of money the insurances are interested in data from cars so i mean um, i'm i'm a pretty sporty driver I'm, I'm tend to speed every now and then so maybe i will then pay higher insurance fees uh, due to my driving style and, and others um, that, that drive totally according to to regulations they pay a lower fee to so that just a fair deal 
or um, they are thinking about pay-per-use model, so that uh, if you park your car, you don't pay an insurance, and if you drive it, you pay for that particular drive. Um, you, you pay a fee, an insurance fee. Connected cars are essential for vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication, cars talking to each other, for example, about uh, optimizing the traffic flow, um, vehicle-to-x, V2x, vehicle-to-infrastructure communication, so vehicle talking to the road furniture, the traffic signs, um, traffic lights, the entire road infrastructure. And this communication will be essential for realizing the full potential of automated driving or even autonomous driving that we have there. And yeah, um, that's coming up. And my big issue here is that we will need standardized data transfers, standardized data interfaces. And as vain as OEMs are, um, they will all insist on an own interface in, in the first round and then realize, okay, the entire thing doesn't work, and then they will agree on certain standards. But that will take years and years of standardization. So the full potential of vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication on vehicle-to-infrastructure communication will not be realized in a foreseeable time frame due to the missing standards. Prove me wrong. Um, we need it, but um, this is something that I see. And then we have the problem of data security, privacy issues if data is transferred, and the idea that uh, bad people will hack cars, uh, the, the car hacking through over-the-air update interfaces. There are security measures, but whatever is online has the potential of being hacked. And that, that in, in a driving car has the enormous potential of being extremely dangerous. So, to summarize this one, the C in case the connected car is well advanced. Uh, we have growing user groups. I mean, people that get their driver license uh, today um, have ever lived in their life with smartphones. And their expectation is that the car is also just like their smartphone, like their entire life, is part of the digital world, of the digital network. And so we have a growing demand there, and uh, this, this will change the, or will speed up the entire digitalization and connectivity of cars. At the end, at the, end um, the, the question remains, what are useful and valuable use cases? particularly with digital services. And then keep in mind, almost everyone having a car, driving a car, is also using a smartphone. And so we need to think where are the useful cases that are vehicle-specific so that they, are make, they, may, that they make sense in a connected, in a digitalized car and cannot be run from, 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 from a smartphone. All right, let's move on to the A in case, the automated driving. Um, the idea of entering my car here uh, in Berlin or in, in Stuttgart area where I live, pressing a button 
and then being driven from where I am down to Mallorca. I mean, uh, driving on, on German uh, urban roads, rural roads and, and autobahns, then uh, switching over to the French um, highway network, then driving into Catalonia and to northeastern Spain, um, into Barcelona downtown, finding the harbor, uh, the car driving onto the ferry. The ferry then uh, drives the car to uh, the Palma de Mallorca harbor and then in Palma de Mallorca driving on the Spanish na road network. And the car drops me right in front of my apartment in, in Puerto Andrach. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not interfering at all with the car. Um, I'm, I'm working, I'm reading, I'm watching movies. Uh, maybe I'm having a couple of beers from, from uh, the in-car refrigerator. I sleep a bit on the way on the 1,200 kilometers drive. I mean, that is not something that uh, will happen in my lifetime. I'm, I'm pretty sure about this. What is coming more and more is the advancement of driver assistance systems, so-called ADA systems, advanced driver assistance systems, that will support the driver in uh, certain well-specified, well-selected situations. For example, parking assist system, traffic jam assist systems, lane and distance keeping systems, when I have bottlenecks on the road, maneuvering support in, in uh, tight situations. I mean, all this is either already there or short before coming part of serious cars. And that's all level two. So level two means driver, uh, level two automation of cars means the driver is in a permanent control and the car is doing certain activities by itself. Level three means that uh, the driver can withdraw him or herself from the vehicle control, uh, can, can pull him or herself out of the control loop, and the car is doing in specified situations uh, the, the entire driving task by itself. So an example here, um, Mercedes announced a level three system um, I found it very much over-communicated. Um, the, the impression was they brought a level 3 car to the road. And um, in the end, um, they brought a limited system um, that is basically a traffic jam assistant for autobahns. Because it works on autobahns only. It works up to 30 kilometers per hour, roughly 40 miles per hour, and uh, which is a traffic jam assist. And... Um, I, I, I wrote in a LinkedIn post about this one saying, hey guys, isn't that over-communication? And I got heavily criticized for that one, particularly by people working for, for Mercedes. Um, I got all, also received a lot, of res, a lot of support for that. But anyway, um, so it has a limited functionality only. So if, you, if you're in this traffic jam, and, and um, maybe this traffic jam is because uh, there is a construction work on one of the lanes, and you're driving on that lane that is, that is closed, the car takes you exactly to where the, the uh, lane closing uh, happens, but it doesn't change lanes. So you have to do this by yourself. But, and this is the big button, I'm, I'm very, very serious about this one. 
This is the first level 3 system by the broadest definition of uh, level 3 that we have. Um, the first level 3 system that made it to the market and it is a proof net from my point of view is the biggest achievement that Mercedes made. They got it approved by German authorities. It's called the Kraftfahrtbundesamt, which is the authority in Germany that allows the approval of cars to get on the road. And they approved this system where it is explicitly allowed to pull out of the, the control loop. And that is the big achievement. And that will open the doors and that opens the door for more systems to come and approved uh, systems that comes up. Open points in automated driving. The first one is legislation. Um, there is improvement there. There is progress in legislation. It's always comparably slow. But we have some parts of German autobahns already approved for level 3 and level 4 automated driving. I would love to have this at least in the European Union or in an optimal case globally. Um, that will not happen in, 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 a, in a short time frame. But that is a target that we should uh, keep in focus. Same as for insurance and the responsibility in driving. It is, um, yeah, we have this, um, th there is improvement, there is changes in there, there is thinking started. It's not solved, but uh, it, it will be solved in, in, uh, uh, in a foreseeable time frame. We still have the ethical issues in that. I mean, we accept that humans kill humans in traffic, but we do not accept that robots kill humans in traffic. So we are um, struggling with that. But I see that there are that we are on a way to to solve this issue. A bigger one that um, is well that that requires additional focus is the willingness to pay. Our users, our humans, our car buyers ready to pay those, I mean, today 10,000 euros, dollars, pounds um, that are the cost for such a system um, that will go down to five, maybe 3,000 euros in the future, dollars, uh, pounds. Um, there, there is a study from Deloitte and uh, they said not even have, depending on the country, uh, not even a quarter of all customers are willing to pay the price that automated driving systems cost today. And this is something where I don't see a way out at the moment. And that may slow down the entire introduction of um, advanced driver assistance systems and automated drivings. Automated driving being driven by machines will come. Uh, it will be a little later than expected. I mean, since uh, 2015, it is always coming in the next uh, three to five years. So realistically, on a higher level, um, maybe 10 to 15 years. The number and functions of other systems will increase. It will be a gradual process. And yeah, um, that, that uh, comes step by step. And from my point of view, it will come first in trucks. It will come in robo-taxis, meaning in professional environments where the cost block is not that important. So I can save a lot of money 
when um, uh, the driver is either completely gone from the car or can do different things like logistics on the car while the car is driving itself. So there are business cases visible um, which will probably lead to the fact that in trucks, robotaxis and other professional contexts we will have automation first. All right, let's move on to shared driving, um, to the S in, in case. There are various models out there. So public transport, for example, is a very traditional, very well-established means of shared transport. So we have buses, we have trains there. I can use them. I, can, I will use them with others at the same time, and others will use them before me and after me. So that is shared transport. Same goes for Ubers or taxis where it is sequential. So others are using this taxi before me and others will use it after me. Um, yeah, so we have this one. We also have uh, shuttle buses uh, that are a mix of this public transport and this taxi system. And in Germany, we have more and more particularly in uh, on the edge of cities or in the late at night, early in the morning, we have shuttle bus services um, that are partially actually um, at least automated, highly automated. Um, that, 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 that is available as also some kind of very traditional um, shared transport. Car rentals, also shared transport, uh, very traditional. We have this new car sharing. Um, that is a comparably new thing so that you have a car parked somewhere in an urban area. You have an app, you reserve it, you open it, you pay it with the app, and then you drive a couple of miles with it and you drop it somewhere. And we have all this, and this is a new part of this trend, uh, the so-called micromobility, where you have um, bicycles, e-bikes, where you have electric scooters, scooters to sit on, scooters where you stand on uh, with electric uh, uh, engines in it. So you have this kind of micromobility that is out there. And um, yeah, that, that is a comparably new trend that we have there. And so we have this different models that we have out there. The shared models are a bit out of the focus due to the corona pandemic. I mean, we, we all learned a lot about hygienic uh, issues. Um, about uh, I mean, even before the pandemic, when I used a public transport, a bus or a train, and I left it, I was always looking for some water and some soap to wash my hands because I had been aware... I have touched things in there that have other, others touched and that's not really hygienic. And I mean, that grew and I'm personally, um, when, when I'm at, at Berlin particularly, I'm using a lot of public transport because driving in Berlin is definitely no fun. Um, so so um, I'm super happy that we still wear the masks, the FFP2 masks, uh, the higher level masks in the public transport because I'm squeezed in with others I don't know and others I don't want to be into a comparably small room. So I'm, I'm happy about this. At the end, all of these shared business models do not really work. I mean, even in public transport, which is a long-term sharing, mobility sharing um, model, they don't work. I mean, the, the what you pay for the ticket prices, they cover maybe a third, maximum 50% of what it costs 
to have it. So uh, at least half, uh, probably two-thirds of all the cost is covered by, by the taxpayer of public transport. And here in Germany, we have quite some discussion going on whether it should be free. So that it's more attractive for users. And I mean, we pay two-thirds anyway, so can, we can pay the entire thing, the entire public transport network through taxes, which um, is an interesting model, which shows that public transport is not a business model. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think we need this, and uh, maybe the, the free public transport fully funded by tax is the best solution we can have. But it's not a business model. And the same is um, with all these uh, sharing um, thing things. I mean, the number and, and the presence of car sharing providers has fallen. So the number of companies uh, was cut. Um, the number of available cars was cut. The uh, area, uh, for example, in Berlin, uh, where you can use one of these car-sharing cars was also cut. Another thing is that uh, the micromobility with these scooters and, and bicycle with the e-bikes, I mean, they are based definitely on, well, let's, let's use a very radical word, on the slavery of uh, people they use. I mean... There are people out there that, that own a pickup truck and they collect these scooters. Um, they, they then bring them home to their private homes and they use their private uh, power network to charge them. And then they bring them out again and then distribute them in the city to, according to, to, to a certain scheme. And these guys are um, called independent uh, users, or in the independent um, uh, businesses. And they do not even get the minimum wage for that. Um, it seems like this is required uh, to to make a at least a, a shaky business model out out of out of uh, micro mobility. Then there is a clearly a lack of integration of these devices into the urban space. So these scooters they stand everywhere. They are totally annoying because they block pavements. So you cannot walk through an inner city without making uh, uh, slaloms around uh, the uh, uh, around the parked scooters um, they are lying around everywhere they are thrown into channels and rivers and they have to be picked out there so this entire thing is definitely not working in a way it should work but shared mobility will come i um, mean the way we are shaping urban environments we are shaping the urban space around cars, around individually owned cars, is definitely not a model for the future. We reserve enormous amounts of space in our cities to drive with cars and to park them. And I don't see that this will be accepted by the majority of the society in the future. But shared mobility due to, first of all, I think the lacking business models uh, will be coming slower than we expected today. Okay, let's move on to the final one here, to the E, to the electric car. And this is where I expect the biggest changes um, in the automotive industry. I mean, the electric drive trains will change the entire game, will change uh, the role of the OEMs, will change business models, will change the relationship between first-year suppliers and OEMs, will bring up new suppliers, new business models. So... I think that this is a game changer. 
The phasing out of combustion engines is anchored in law. I'm not aware of any relevant car market, of any relevant automotive market um, that is not having an exit date. Usually these exit dates are between 2025 and 2035. Um, this, these are the dates when there are no new combustion engine cars are allowed. I mean, after that, we will still have them for another 10, 15 years on our roads. But uh, from 2050 on, I think there will hardly be any combustion engine cars, maybe in super niche markets, but at the end of the day, um, I mean, and, and, and all in all, it's not a good idea to burn fossil fuels in cars, right? Most manufacturers, most OEMs have already communicated dates uh, when they will stop producing combustion engines. Usually in the same range between 2025 and 2035, 2040, depending on the markets, depending on um, yeah, the, the OEMs. But uh, they're widely communicated, and um, so the end of the combustion engine is visible. And I, I don't even have one single project at the moment with a combustion engine car. And when I think back for the last two, three years, there was no combustion engine car I worked on. So it's either all about electric cars or my project, or about technologies that are used in both combustion and, and, and electric variants of, of cars. The super interesting thing that is uh, visible at the moment is the race between the traditional OEMs who very often convert existing vehicles to electric cars or that produce electric vehicles based on existing platforms. So they're on one side, and the, on the other side of the race, there are the new players that um, that have no past, that have no heritage in vehicle construction, and um, that that will be the exciting thing you know, thing to see. And and the best example of, and the only from my point of view, only relevant example at the moment, the only profitable company is Tesla. They are new. They are thinking the car in a totally different way. It seems like they are uh, one of the companies disrupting the automotive industry. And uh, yeah, that will be super interesting to see how that race will end. Will the traditional manufacturers get the turnaround towards, um, exists, uh, towards electric uh, mobility or will it be new companies dominating the markets in 15, 20, 25 years from now? The advantages on the side of the traditional car makers are that well, they're having processes, they're, they're having existing supply chains, they're having years and years of experience, they have exact know-how, they have the money, they know how to produce high quality and high reliability into cars. And that is the, the outstanding thing for all the OEMs. I mean, as much as we talk about them, about the slow speed that they have, the encrusted structures, little courage, um, the, the low ownership mentality in their management. But they know how to produce quality and reliability with the processes they have established. The advantages of the new players is they have no legacy. 
They have super high flexibility. They can think in a totally different way. They have a much higher speed. They can focus much more on, on innovation. And they are very decisive. They make fast decisions. Um, they are very much focused on that one. Their disadvantages are the lack of experiences, very often poor quality. And, and that is one major point that I'm experiencing is the shaky financing of these companies. So if you have a look, for example, at, at Fisker, they're on and off on a regular basis. Um, and and uh, they're, again, seeking for, for new money, for fresh money. Faraday Future is an example, or here in Germany, Ego Mobile, they went bankrupt um, a year, a year and a half ago. They're back now with new, fresh money in it. My idea is that about 90% of all these startup companies, they are they will not make it to the market. They will not succeed. So maybe we have a 10, maybe just 5% of all these uh, new electric car startups will make it to the point where they have a car on the road. And I'm having one one project with one of these companies, uh, startup electric car company companies, and they had a stop at the 50% of the project. So I was able to to build them 50% of my my uh, my money. And um, they wanted to go back to their, their financing partners and uh, get fresh money from them. And they wanted to be back after two weeks. That's four weeks back now. They promised to be back next week or in two weeks. So... My idea is um, they will not return. So they're out of money and, and that, that one is gone. Problems with the E, with the electric mobility. The focus is very much on battery electric drivetrains. And we all know that the mining of the raw materials, uh, the lithium first of all, is extremely harmful to the environment. It is sometimes absolutely inhuman. I mean, there are alliances now that go for clean lithium or green lithium. Um, but I, I think that the, the materials of the batteries, um, that, that is not something we really like to know too much about. We need to take care about it. Um, I'm aware that there, are, that there are activities in that and there are new patents on the way. I mean, there's a super high number of, of, of patents in the battery, in the vehicle battery area at the moment, which means... Yeah, there's a lot of innovation and maybe there is something totally different in the pipeline um, that will eliminate that problem. But at the moment, batteries are not something really like to want to have here. The operation of the vehicle can be problematic. Um, there are suspected for the suspected fire hazards, which are then when they're burning pretty difficult to extinguish. But again, there are solutions visible uh, in, in this pipeline. And uh, maybe we have innovations in battery technologies that uh, will eliminate my issues that I'm having today. Another problem, um, which is pretty much the same um, as the other one, may be solved already, but um, I see end-of-life problems with the battery. There is no solution for the disposal. Um, there is hardly any solution for the recycling of the materials. Maybe there is something in the pipeline, but at the moment uh, we are having with the batteries, with the old batteries, the same problem like with the nuclear waste. As long as uh, it is in use, it is no problem, it's clean, it's okay. But at the end, you have something 
where there is no solution that is highly poisonous and um, that may cause huge problems in, in the futures. And one final problem I have with the battery electric is that alternatives as, as uh, hydrogen-driven fuel cells or um, e-fuels are not really in focus anymore. And that, that is a political will. Um, that there is a political will, um, a wish that um, the legislation is targeting towards battery electric. Um, they are very much in focus, and I mean, we are we maybe miss advantages of other technologies uh, that may be better long term, and uh, but we would lead them today, and they are not in a focus anymore because we focus from our point of view too much on battery electric. All right, so we're coming towards the end. Um, quick summary. We have um, the case mantra, which is still active. It is shifting more and more. So the C for connected is here and will be elaborated in the future. The E electric will surely come. Um, that's a legislation thing, but also um, there, there is an alternative to get away from fossil fuels and combustion engines. The A, automated autonomous, will come later and in a different way than expected. And the S for shared mobility, pretty much the same, uh, later than expected and with probably different models than we think about today. So the next episode of the Human Technology Podcast in two weeks will focus more on processes, industry, um, collaborations, cooperation, changes, and everything around business. So it will be about um, the vehicle automation market. It will be about electric vehicle platform providers, for example, companies like RE or Bantela. Um, I mean, I think they will change the, the automotive landscape. Then um, ODA, over-the-air updates as a review generator. So we will be thinking about the smartphone on wheels. And that will be part of that idea, um, having apps in the car and um, yeah, bringing other companies in, which then is the next point, the cooperation between the big tech companies like Amazon, Google, Meta, Apple, and the automotive industry, how that will change the landscape. And then um, I will um, I plan to have a look at the... Uh, chip crisis at the um, uh, semiconductor crisis and uh, in general the procurement of hardware and how that changes the landscape. If you like this episode of the Human Technology Podcast, please recommend it in your network. The more people I can reach with this podcast, the more people get the chance to Hear me to get into my thinking, into my ideas, to maybe be inspired by me. And the more people listen it to, the more higher, um, the higher I will be ranked on the respective platforms. And the even more people have the chance to get into my way of thinking, into my world of thoughts. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites, peter-rusker.com 
and beyond-hmi.de. Write me an email under podcast at beyond-hmi.de. Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.